Hey, this is Jordan Beal. Welcome to the Rock of Grace podcast from our Kinsman campus. We are passionate about leading people to follow Jesus together, and we're so glad that you're opening the Word of God with us today. I pray God speaks to your heart. We thank you for an opportunity, God, to worship you with our finances. So we pray that these gifts that we've given will give you glory, will give you honor, and God, that we will see Trumbull County transformed by the light of the gospel of Jesus. We thank you that every church that we plant will carry the vision, God, of our Transform Trumbull initiatives. And Father, that we would no longer see those overdose deaths and we would no longer see 140 kids uh, sitting waiting for a home, but we will see the church rise up and be the church and rescue a generation in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Well, man, what an awesome day in America, right? Roe versus Wade return. I know we talked about it during worship, but uh, I don't know about you, but I'm excited. I'm excited and I'm like, oh boy, come on. Cause that means there's a lot of work to do, right? So, uh, I'm thankful that God already put this on our hearts, right, three years ago and, and for the FAM ministry, the family advocacy ministry. And so many of you are a part of that. So many of you, you make a meal and you take it to a foster family once a month. So many of you, you clean the house of a foster family, which allows them to have the strength, that little bit of respite, a little bit of break to keep going. So we created this when I heard a statistic that 80% of foster families quit after one year without support. But they keep going if they have a family of support, friends that surround them. How many knows that even if we can't be a foster family, we can support those who are doing it, right? And so that's, that's kind of a big part of our mission here. So I just want to challenge you and encourage you. Um, so today's sermon, this is part four of Destinations. All right, now we've been in this sermon series um, uh, for the last three weeks, and today's going to be very different. Uh, probably the most different type sermon I've ever preached. Um, it's got a lot of practical things. And so we do have some scripture. We're going to open with the steward, uh, the stewardship um, passage in just a moment. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew 25. And we'll go there in just a minute. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew 25. And I need a quick drink. So just stare it awkwardly. Or find, your, find that in your Bibles, Matthew 25. By the way, we adopted Lucas on Tuesday. That was awesome. So my sister Nancy's in town. I should embarrass her. I should have, she's going to come sing a solo right now. She's going to come sing a solo. No. Solo, you can't hear me. No. Um, just excited that she was with us to celebrate her and Damien and her family. And it's been such an awesome joy. And so, uh, don't have time to go into all that today, but, uh, find me after church or find us on Facebook to watch more of our story. But so today we're talking about these grace gifts. We talked last week that the father has destinations for us, right? And we said that those destinations are meant to be enjoyed together. I don't know if you've ever been on a road trip, but the journey is more fun with someone. Right, And uh, where we landed the plane last week was that the greatest joy in your life, and, and most Christians don't come to this place. And I'll say that maybe boldly, but I want to say that most Christians still are primarily concerned with their concerns. 
But how many knows that the goal of the Holy Spirit in your life, according to Ephesians 4, is that you will mature into the image to the likeness of Jesus Christ. How many of you guys realize that's, that's God's goal for your life, that we would be formed into the image of Jesus? If so, then we will be like Jesus, which is concerned more about others than ourselves. Right? So what, where we landed the plane last week was that God would make us more uh, passionate even about other people reaching their destination. And that's where great joy comes in. So we're gonna, I want to remind you of just a couple things where we left last week. Number one, God equips you with grace gifts that enable you to do his will and reach each destination, right? God equips you with grace gifts. Everybody say grace gifts. Those are gifts that uh, you, you can't boast about because they're a gift. We do, we do nothing to uh, earn them, but God gives you these gifts to steward. And why has he done that? Well, well, one, just to bring him pleasure. So don't forget that. Just to bring him pleasure, just to bring uh, joy into the relationship. But number two, it's so that we could fulfill his will. So that we could fulfill his will. So God put a, a grace gift in my brother-in-law, Damien. Damien, just wave at us real quick. He's the bald guy right there. Behind the bald guy. The other bald guy. Um, put, put, sorry, it's a lot of bald people. Put a passion and a grace gift in him, sorry about the baldness, a grace gift to preach the gospel and, and to start uh, churches. So he has planted uh, a church and, and just looking at what God's doing next. And, and God gave him that. So God has given each of you different grace gifts. And this is important. They're all different and all your destinations are different. So I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, your destinations are going to be different than mine. Unless it's your spouse, okay? Unless it's your spouse. <laughs> Go together, okay. So I want to read to you Hebrews. Before we read from uh, Matthew, I want to read Hebrews. So I want you to understand this whole equipping God's will thing. Hebrews 13, 20. Now may the God of peace who brought again... Uh, from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus. I know it's a mouthful. To whom be glory forever and ever. I want you to focus, though, on those words that says, equip you with everything good. Why? So that you can do his will. I don't know if you know, but there is, there is a God's will part of your life. And when you say, God, I want to do your will, I'm going to, I want to find, has anybody ever just thought, like, God, I really want to be in your will? Has anybody ever, like me? Yeah. You pray, God, I really want to be in your will. So two things. One, don't overstress about it. Don't think like, oh, man, I missed the boat, you know, it was 9-13 last June and my whole calling, my life is forever messed up because I missed that obedience. No, God has a way of working things out, right? But there is specific assignments on your life. And what we said all three weeks was this, there are different destinations that you are called to land at. There are different milestones. There are different destinations that you have in your journey to do his will, Right? So we're going to talk some really practical things about how to accomplish, how to do what God puts in your heart. I don't know about you, but sometimes I 
really need to know how. I just have a big, sometimes I just have a big question mark over how to do what I feel God's asking me to do. So 1 Peter 4.10, just jot this down in your Bibles or in your notes. He says, each of us has received a gift. Why? To serve others as good stewards of the very grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak words of, of God. If anyone serves, let it be strength from God. So I want you to understand there are two types of, of gifts. Warren Wearsby, one of my favorite common, uh, commentary guys, theology guys, he says there are speaking gifts and serving gifts. Both are important. And while those who speak are in effort to serve, there are speaking gifts and serving gifts. Because think about it. And I never, I've read his commentary so many times, but I've never read his commentary on 1 Peter 4 and Ephesians 4. But he says this, that even the speaking gifts, apostle, pastor, teacher, prophet, evangelist, those are all speaking gifts. What do they have? The goal of serving you, of equipping you to do God's will, equipping you for the work of the ministry. So that's why sometimes in church we come in and we're challenged. How many of you guys have ever sat in church and been challenged, Right? Right, that's the equipping. That's like when you're at the gym, right, and you lift that 15-pounder, right, unless you're Jack and it's 115 pounds. You know what I'm saying? Like you feel, you feel the, anybody? Just me? Okay, right. You feel that pressure. Why? God's making you stronger. God's equipping you for the work of the ministry. All right? So turn now, if you got your Bibles, to Matthew 25. We're going to read this, Matthew 25, verse 14. Just like a man about to go on a journey, he called his servants and entrusted possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two talents, and to another one talent, depending on their ability. Oh, please don't miss this. Depending on their ability. This is why you can never compare yourself to someone else's calling. And this is why, by the way, as Christians, we have to be careful not to judge someone else's calling. Please be careful. Christians are so bad about this, especially on social media. If you don't understand someone's calling, it doesn't mean it's your job to invalidate it. Turn to you and say, oh, come on, open your heart. Turn to your friend. Did I say turn to you? That doesn't make sense. Turn not to you. Turn to the person next to you. Say, open your heart. Because this is what a lot of Christians do. If it doesn't look like my calling, right? No. Everybody's calling and gifting is different. So here's what he did. He went on a journey, and immediately the man who received five talents went and put them to work. He received five, or I'm sorry, he earned five more, so he doubled. In the same way, the man with two earned two more. But the man who received one went off dug a hole, and buried it. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts. And the man who had received five talents, he approached him. He presented his five more talents. So he gave him 10. And the master said, you have given me, or I'm sorry, master, you gave me five talents. See, I have earned five more. The master said, well done, good and faithful servant. How many of you guys want to hear those words? Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful. Oh, I love that word. Everybody say faithful. Faithful. We're going to talk about what that means. You have been faithful with a few things, so I will put you in charge over many. Mm. Share in your master's joy. Everybody say joy. You know, a lot of Christians don't have joy in their life that God intends 
because they're bored. Because they're not doing the thing God wired them to do. I don't know about you, but some of the happiest people I meet are doing something for the kingdom. And they'll tell you about it. They'll tell you, oh, guess what I got? I got to build these beds for these kids over here. I got to do this. And the joy of the Lord is on them, the Father's joy. So look at this. The man who had two talents approached, he said, Master, you gave me two talents. I earned two more. And the master said, everybody say it with me, well done, good and faithful servant. Right? He says, you're faithful with a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many. Share your master's joy. The man who received one talent approached and said, Master, I know you are a harsh man and you reap where you haven't sowed. I was afraid, so I hid your talent. I'll go get it for you. It's in the ground. His master said, you evil, lazy servant. Oh, man. You guys ever just read the word and be like, ouch. If you knew that I reap where I haven't sown, there's a little satire there because he owns it all. Jesus already owns it all. You should have at least deposited my money with the bankers and I would have and received my money back with interest. So the talent was taken from him and given to the one who had 10. Now, does anybody ever just see that and just be like, well, that's not fair. That's a bit harsh. Have you guys ever, just be honest with me this morning, have you ever just like experienced something and just kind of looked at God and be like, well, this isn't fair. Oh, so it's just this side. All of you. Boy, you guys are just living your best life. I'm about to go Joel Olstein on everybody over here. All right, cut that out of the podcast, that last comment. <sighs> Sometimes I should have a filter. How many of you in this section, this is a perfect time to amen at the end, at the end of this statement, ready? You, you see someone else like, man, they just get so blessed, and you actually have a hard time celebrating because you're like, well, that's not fair. You see, one of the greatest signs of your maturity is how quickly you celebrate someone else's victory. Someone else reaches a destination, you're excited, you high-five them, that's because you're understanding sonship. You're thankful to the master. But when someone else has a victory and you're like, the tween thing, anybody have a tween? You know, that thing? You do that, maybe not outwardly, but inwardly. You see, the problem that the bad steward had was he misunderstood God's goodness. He said, I know you're a harsh man. I have news for you guys. The father, yes, he has justice, but he is not harsh. He's incredibly generous. He's, God is the most generous. How many of you guys should have been in jail like a hundred times by now? Thank you, Jim. I know that's true of your life. Just kidding. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to kill you. Uh, God is incredibly generous. So what does he say? I was afraid. See, many Christians live in fear. And when you live in fear, you are paralyzed. You do nothing. You go nowhere. Come on. And you say, I'm afraid. God's not good. I have news for you. God is good. And his perfect love drives out all fear. Amen? 
So they all were given something to work with. Faithfulness, hear me if you're taking notes, is this. Faithfulness is being reliably excellent wherever you are with whatever you have. And sometimes I get sad because I miss Christian, or I see Christians who will be, they're so worried about their next destination, they're missing the one that they're in. Do you know you can be overly concerned about your next destination and completely missing the person, to loving the person that's right in front of you? Be faithful in the season you're in, and then God will take you to your next destination. Let me say it again. Be faithful at the destination you're in. And then God will take you to your next destination. Amen? So a wrong perception of the master. The man who was given five talents produced five more. The man who was given two talents produced two more. The man who was given one talent produced no more. It's because he misunderstood the master's generosity, Right? May we not forget all that God's given us. And may we say, God, what have you given me? I want to be reliably excellent with it. So now I'm going to get really practical, really practical. Again, this is going to be a little bit different than many sermons, but I just, I want to tell you uh, what I told a group of leaders a while back, uh, about a year ago, that makes a lot of sense with this text. So four things, four things to reach that destination. Number one, Pray. All right? Everybody say pray. All right? Number two, commit to learn. Right? Commit to learn. I remember when God was taking me, um, telling me to step out of youth ministry. I was actually disobedient for a good year because I loved it. I thought I was going to be a youth pastor for like 20 years. I was going to be one of those youth pastors with the gray beard, you know? And they're all like, okay, you can go away now. Like I was going to be one of those because I loved it. Uh, but felt like God had told me to step into just doing music for a season. So I had to commit to learn. So I took some classes on iTunes University and School of YouTube. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Uh, music production. Commit to learn. Everybody say commit to learn. Number three, focus on others. Focus on team. Okay? And number four, plan your effectiveness. Again, I know this is different. I know this is different, but I, I really want to help you today. So number one, pray. Because here's the thing, don't waste your time doing something God hasn't asked you to do. Can I say that again? Don't waste your time doing something God hasn't asked you to do, but instead pray and ask God, what do you want me to do? My absolute favorite time of the year is I spend three days at Stony Glen in a cabin all by myself, just me and the Lord. And do you know, every year when I ask God, what do you want me to do and what do you want me to learn this year? I ask him for one word and one verse. And every year he is insanely faithful to, to lead me. Do you know God wants to speak to you? All he wants is you to ask him to. He wants to speak to you. He wants to talk to you about what the year is going to look like. Right? So pray. Pray. Do only what God's instructing you to do. Because I want to tell you, many people will tell you what they think you should do. I want to go to the story of David. And you guys remember, David's anointed to be king. And then he has this moment where Goliath, right, comes out 
And what does Saul tell him? That you need to put on this armor, but the armor didn't fit. You have to do what God is asking you to do in the way he's asking you to do it. And never let a man stop you from what God's asking you to do. You won't stand before a man at the final day of judgment. Can I say that? You won't stand before. Many dreams are inhibited and aborted because of something hurtful that's been said. But you won't stand before them at the judgment seat. You'll stand before Jesus. Jesus. Amen? So your identity then, knowing who God has wired you to be and what to do, should determine your schedule of tasks. And this can affect your entire career or this can affect simply what God has asked you to do outside of your nine to five. How many of you know there's a lot of things that God asks us to do outside of, our, of, of a typical work week? But for some of you, a, a, a sermon like this, you can actually change your career. You can actually change. You could say, God, now, by the way, I didn't, no one told you to go quit your job tomorrow. <laughs> so I've been misquoted before. I don't want to be misquoted. I did not tell you that. Pray, get counsel. All right, we'll talk about that. But here's the thing. When we look at this stewardship principle, we see that God does not like when we compare ourselves to others. Comparison is always a trap. So the word says that he is our shepherd. He is our shepherd. So we hear his voice. Everybody touch your ear. Okay? And everybody just stand up real quick because I see a lot of yawning. So hopefully you guys are okay. Stretch your legs. Some of you are all in, but about five to ten of you are yawning. All right, so stretch because we're only halfway through. Come on, say this is halftime. Say somebody get the Doritos and the nachos. All right, go ahead and sit back down. I want to tell you, in 2014, when God was speaking to me about becoming pastor, guess what? That was scary. That was very scary. And I remember when, um, you know, my dad had asked me, I remember thinking like, well, if God wants me to do i got to pray about this. Because right now I love my season. I was loving traveling, going to different churches and as an evangelist and, and with our worship band and music production. But God was calling me into a new season and had confirmed it through a few people. And I want to say, when you're faithful where you are, still be attentive to say yes to the new destination. Is everybody, are you with me? Be attentive to when God is speaking to you. Because God was speaking through my dad, and I was, here, I was starting to feel convicted about it the next couple of months. I'm praying about it, and I felt like God was telling say yes. And I'm like, Lord, what? I'm not, I'm not as good at him at, at, at preaching and this and that, and I want to be different. What if I'm different? What if they don't like different? Nobody likes different, you know? And like, they really like Mark Beale, you know? And, uh, but I felt like the Lord kept saying, hey, you just, you'd be you, right? And my dad would even encourage me with that. You'd be yourself. Okay, so turn to your neighbor, say, be yourself. Because God has wired you to be you. Imagine that. Imagine. It's like he knows what he's doing. Right? All right. 
So knowing who you are as a son or daughter, that he is your father and your shepherd, gives you the courage to say yes. So I want to ask you, because a lot of people struggle, how do I know, though, what, what it is to do? Well, I want to ask you a couple questions. Number one, what is it that only you can do? If you're taking notes, you say, I want to understand the call of God. Write down this question, especially young people, right? How many of you guys are under 25? If you're under 25, just stand up real quick. I'm staring at you so you can't get away. Oh, there's a lot of young people over there too. Come on. All right. Give these guys a hand right now. A lot of you guys, a lot of you guys are graduated, right? Right? You can be seated. And here's the thing. There's going to be people telling you you have to do this. You need to take their counsel. But most importantly, you need to go to the Lord in prayer. You hear me, right? Go to the Lord in prayer. Say, God, what is it only I could do? What is it that, that comes most easy to me? What is it that I'm naturally good at? All right? Ask God the following how have you uniquely created me? Ask others, what are my talents? Not just your mom. Has anybody seen American Idol? Come on. Your mom's going to love you no matter what. Don't ask your mom your talents. That was for somebody. I don't know who that was for. Ask others, what are my talents? Now you say, is that, that's really awkward. Guys, do you know one of the most liberating things I ever did in my life? I got that question from John Maxwell. I sent 20 people the same question in an email. Some of you know this story. <laughs> Some of you know the story. Because it was very depressing. Can I just be honest with you? Are you okay with me just laughing at my pain? Does anybody want to laugh at my pain? Sure. Thank you, Jimmy, that you want to laugh at my pain. I sent an email out and I said, hey, I'm reading this book by John Maxwell called... I think it's called Finding a Calling or something like that. And, and so I said, here's these five things I love to do. And I said, these are in no particular order, but I want you to reply back with the thing you feel I'm best at and the thing you feel I'm worst at. Now, John Maxwell said, it will offend you. He was right. I got 20 emails back. Now, this is, by the way, this is at the time when literally my job was to sing. It was my job, and all of them wrote singing at the last one. I was, like, I was sad. I was just like the guy in American Eagle, or American Eagle. <laughs> I was at the mall. I was so sad. No, American Idol. Like, literally, I was, I was like, right? But I had put up there uh, teaching, and do you know all 20 people wrote teaching at the top? And you know what I said? I said, Lord, if you want me to then to step into a season of teaching, because that's what everybody's saying comes most natural to me, I'm going to do that, even if it hurts my feelings at first. So I know that's a crazy question to do, and I, I'll, only some of you will go, will go home and do that, and that's okay. Uh, but I want to I encourage you to do that. Number three, ask yourself, what do I love to do? Right? What do I love to do? And ask yourself the fourth question, what bothers me? Because often your conflict is connected to your calling. Your conflict is connected to your calling. Every time when you feel somebody should do something about that, 
That's you. God's like, Psst. right? If you're like, somebody should do something about the orphan, God's like, that's you. Somebody should do something about world hunger. I remember the guy who, who wrote the, uh, his book on world vision, right? He was up all night for like two weeks in a row. And he's like, man, God, he just was getting so mad about kids going to bed hungry. And he felt like God told him, well, then you need to leave the business world and start an organization. Now World Vision feeds millions of kids every day. Right? Why? His conflict, the thing that bothers you, everybody just touch your heart, is connected to your calling. Our dean has a burden for Sweden so she's going to Sweden. We're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. Spoiler alert. I already told him. Sorry. But, and we're going to raise some funds and send her, right? Why? She's feeling, she's feeling a conflict, a, a burden for the people of Sweden. And Ardeen, you're never supposed to ask a woman this, so please don't kill me. Well, what is your age? Please don't kill me. I'm just going to hide. You've been young a long time. I like that. It's only a number. She's somewhere north of 60. What? What? And she is going on a missus trip to Sweden. Come on, put your hands together. What is my point? Don't say, well, I'm too young, I'm too old, I'm too this or no. Listen, come on, our dean's going to Sweden. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can do it. Right? So pray. Commit to learn. Commit to learn. Say, okay, what do I have to learn to step into this new destination? For some of you, it's going back to college. For some of you, it's, it's not that intense. It's something a lot lighter, but you have to learn something. Right? Commit to learn from others. God, how have you made me? Because your conflict is connected to your calling. Start reading. So I don't like to read. Listen, I hated reading when I was in high school. Hated it. Now I love to read. I devour books. Why? I want to be faithful with what God's asked me to do. Number two, commit to learn. Again, learn from people. Admit. Admit what you need to learn. Okay? Number three, focus on others. Surround yourself with smart people. Surround yourself with people committed to serving Jesus. You say, you know what? You are excelling in this area that I'm feeling called to. Can I buy you lunch? I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you today say, there's a destination. I remember when, when um, Jimmy and Jesse, my sister they, and brother-in-law, they were about to start a business. I know, I remember them telling me that they were hanging out now. They set up some meetings with some business owners. Why? Learn. Committing to say, I see that you have this destination in your life, and I feel God's calling me to that destination. Can I buy you lunch? Simple, right? But commit to learn. What do I mean by commit to learn? Don't be Scotty. Who remembers the finals game, game three? I was a teenager in 1994 when Scotty Pippen demanded the ball in the last play. Is anybody old enough to remember that? Is anybody north of 88? 88? 88. 
And north of 38. Yeah, you remember? Exactly. You watch basketball. Yeah. Remember that? Look, he just got mad just thinking about the play. I remember watching this. I'm telling you, I remember watching this with Sonny Kuzmik. Coach had called the play. Score was tied. It was 102 to 102. And the Knicks, Patrick Ewing hit a three-foot hook shot. It was 1.8 seconds to go in the game, which the Knicks had staged another remarkable fourth quarter comeback. The Knicks had wiped out a 22-point deficit in the third quarter, and the Bulls were in a timeout. A crowd of 18,000 people were roaring. Phil Jackson, their coach, designed a play, which Pippen would take the ball out of bounds, and Tony Kuko, Kuchoch, how do you say his name, would take the last shot. Now, Tony was not the guy like the Michael Jordan. They think, okay, it's going to go to Michael Jordan. Everybody who's an athlete is a realist. Like Jim Richards is like, okay, right? So he's like, Scotty, though, demanded the ball. And he threw a temper. Yes, he threw a temper. Like a five-year-old, he sat down on the bench. He said, I'm not going in then. This is on the record. Coach said, Pip, come on, what are you doing? He refused to come in the game. Since the Bulls only were sending four men onto the court and Scotty wouldn't go out, Jackson had to call a second timeout because he was so confused why Scotty was throwing a temper. Phil Jackson sent Pete Myers in place of Pippen. Myers passed the ball to Kuko, bounced off his man Anthony Mason, and then sank a 22-foot bu- uh, shot at the buzzer, and the Bulls won 104-102. to After the game, Jackson told reporters, as far as the last play goes, Scottie Pippen was not involved in the play. He asked to be out of the play, and that's all I'm going to say about it. And I want to end my sermon with this. Don't be Scotty. Don't be Scotty. And, we, and listen, you can be a Christian and be Scotty. Right? You can be a Christian and still, it, it, it's, life's about you. You come into church and it's about you. You go to work and it's about you. But don't be Scotty. Say, wait a minute, how can I help others succeed around me? How can I help them reach their victory? What are you praying for? I'm going to pray for you for victory. What do you believe in God for? I'm going to stand and, and pray with you. I'm going to believe and I'm going to celebrate with you. Guys, that's the destinations thing that God wants to put in our hearts. I want you to stand up to your feet. As you mature in Christ, you become more concerned with the success of others. Who you can empower and encourage. Who you can serve. I remember reading an article about a year ago in a uh, Christian magazine, Christian, uh, Christian publication, where this woman felt called to serve those with special needs. And she had no money, didn't have a team, but she was just feeling this, right? And she felt called to serve special needs, but she didn't have a building. She didn't have, she just knew. So she's praying and she's praying and she's praying. She shares it at church and a a wealthy businessman gave her a building. And then God brought along a team to come on as volunteers who then became staff. And now they serve special needs kids every day of the week. Vision requires no money. 
passion requires no money. You say, I don't have the money to do it. God has the money. Can I tell you that? You say, I don't have the money to do it. God has the money. When Nehemiah said, I want to build this wall, he didn't have the money. Yet what did God do? Miraculously provided through the king. The king gave him all of that cedar and all that they needed to build the wall. So there's something in your heart possibly. Yeah, we've asked the prayer team to come up today because there might be something in your heart that you want to do for God. And maybe you're scared of what do I do? And some of you are in between seasons. You're in between destinations. You're like, look, this was a part of my life. I was in this destination. And now I'm believing that God is taking me to this destination. I was just talking with a young man about this last week. And he's afraid, afraid of not being good enough to step into that new thing. And I was telling him, God, if God is calling you, God will equip you. Right? God equips those he calls. It's not the other way around. He calls you first, and all he wants you to do is say yes. Yes. He says yes. He wants us to say yes. He wants us to be faithful. Faithful is saying yes, being reliably excellent, even if you don't feel good enough. Because guess what? We're not good enough. But God, what does Paul say? He works through us, through our weakness. His grace is made perfect, right? Strength is made perfect. We're going to dim the lights a little bit. And I want to encourage you, if you've got something in your heart that you're praying about, I want you to go to one of these prayer team members. I want you to go to one of these prayer team members and ask, you can go back up one more notch on the scene if you don't mind, just a, a smidge brighter. I want you to go find a prayer team member. Yeah, thank you. And I want you to let God speak to your heart today. Because for some of you, there's something that you've been praying about and thinking about and you're not sure how it's gonna come together. But I promise you, God will supply the team, the resources. I wanna encourage you, don't worry about what people think. What do we say when we open up the sermon? The fear of man, fear of what people will think will stop you. It will make you hide that talent in the ground. But some of you, there's a destiny in your heart. There's something God is asking you to do. And today, let the Holy Spirit encourage you. I saw a lot of heads nodding during the sermon, but again, I just want to tell you, if you'll go pray with someone, something powerful could happen. God can clarify, God can strengthen you. Just bow your heads with me. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you that you call us into new seasons. Father, that you have destinations for us. I pray that we would be faithful to step into them. God, that we would not be like Scotty. We would not insist that we have that limelight or shoot that ball, that we would look around and celebrate others, that we would help others reach their destination, that we would find joy in that. 
Jesus, we love you.